would like to thank our choir and uh, Gerard. Uh, Andrew is one of those who's unwell, our assistant director and also um, junior. So we're missing two people today, but thank you very much indeed. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, when the pressure of the season weighs heavy on our hearts and the holy joy of the stable is tarnished by expense, even debt, bless us with a glimpse of your love, we pray. And may our journey to Bethlehem not be marred by expectations we cannot meet or disappointments that we cannot contain. Rather, as we open our hearts to you, May we be enriched by your peace, sustained by your promises, and rejoice in your love for us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, in this week leading up to Christmas, it's usually full of various joy journeys that we might expect uh, to the shops to buy yet more wrapping paper, to the supermarket to ensure we've got the food in, to the post office to send those last minute cards, or to homes to visit friends, neighbours and family. However, just like last year, many of our plans are awry, or put on hold at least waiting to see what will happen with this rampant Omicron variant. And there may be additional journeys to add into the mix for some people like having to get a PCR test because you've been pinged by track and trace. Being preoccupied, worried, nervous or concerned is a common factor for many at the moment. But with all that's going on, I wonder if we can just pause for a moment to reflect on Mary's journey as it's recorded for us in Luke's Gospel. And I'd like to suggest we're invited to go on a journey with Mary from being troubled and puzzled by the angel's visit in the news to her finding a place where she can let her soul sing. Remember that in Luke uh, 28 verse 1 we're told that the angel went to the Virgin Mary and said greetings you who are highly favored the Lord is with you and then some translations say Mary was perplexed in the NIV translation it says Mary was greatly troubled so that's where she begins this little bit of a journey from being greatly troubled at the angel Gabriel's words. She wondered what kind of greeting that this might be. And after telling the Virgin Mary not to be afraid that she had found favor with God, Gabriel breaks more news that she's to give birth to a son who is to be called Jesus. Despite her bewilderment, no doubt with her anxiety levels rising, we read, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary then prepares to go on another journey, to travel to spend time with her cousin Elizabeth. And she then hurries to the remote village in Judea to see her. Why? Because the angel had told her some other news, that Baron Elizabeth was also expecting a child despite Zechariah's age. 
So these two women have got a lot in common, and they've got a lot to share. Imagine what they talked about when they got together. And as Mary greets her cousin, Elizabeth's baby leaps in her womb, and she is filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Spirit that no doubt inspires her to sing her song, which you can read if you look back a little bit in Luke. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear, and so on. Mary and Elizabeth connect on a deep level. And despite the mystery of it all, despite the fear too, the Holy Spirit bubbles up within them both and God speaks through their soulful songs. And it's as though in their vulnerability together, they inspire one another. I have to say, it's my experience that often I'm inspired or feel equipped when I'm weak and totally reliant on the Lord. When I'm strong, I'm feeling good about myself, that's not always the time when I feel greatly inspired or uh, uh, supported by God. It's often when we have to lean on him totally that something we yield to the Holy Spirit that wells up within us. And could it be that we're in a climate at the moment where we need in our desperation, not knowing what's going to happen in the future, to turn to the Lord, to let our souls sing in tune with the divine. When in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul was wrestling with his vulnerability, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul then said, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. You know, it's something quite strange about the kingdom that turns everything upside down, that actually power comes sometimes when we are weak and vulnerable and we have to rely on his strength. Now Mary was on a journey a journey from speaking words of acceptance and obedience to reflecting that the whole of her person, body, mind, and spirit, must respond to this astonishing good news for all people. So she says, my soul, everything within me, glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Now, I have to say, if I had had the kind of news that <laughs> Mary had received, uh, I'm not sure I'd yet be in that place, but perhaps it was connecting with Elizabeth, a common experience that they somehow supported one another and opened a way for the Holy Spirit to speak through them, we don't know. John Wesley actually numbers Mary among the prophets suggesting that she spoke under a prophetic impulse in these moments. And through her words of thanksgiving that we call the Magnificat, something profound is being stated. Now, whether or not Mary is aware of it, Mary was doing theology at that moment. 
She was giving a perspective on what the ministry of Jesus would mean in the future. Prophetically, Mary's words contain many of the themes that Luke is going to go on to emphasize in his gospel. Primarily, it's about the radical nature of God's kingdom, where the norms of this world are turned upside down and God's heart is seen as being for the lowly, the hungry, the disadvantaged, and the Lord's judgment is actually upon the self-indulgent. It was a radical message to shake up people who were comfortable. Well, I'm sure Wesley connected with Mary's soulful outburst. For John considered his work amongst the poor as a means of grace. He knew that when the lonely and the vulnerable are lifted up, God's name is magnified. So we don't just magnify the Lord when we worship in church, when we lift up our hands and we sing our Wesley hymns or worship songs. But we also magnify the Lord when we come alongside those who need us most. The compassionate rolling up of our sleeves is also a sacrifice of praise. I wonder this Christmas time whether you have thought that by being shaken from our unusual Christmas routine, might actually just give us an opportunity to look again at our Christmas. Is there something we can do to actually make a difference to somebody who is actually needing to be lifted up at this time? Perhaps it's something we can pray about, that radical message of the gospel. Now, despite Elizabeth's shame of childlessness and Mary's shame of pregnancy outside of marriage, they both display spiritual insight and wisdom. You see, in them, we see that the truth of the kingdom will be lived out in their sons, where the first will be last and the last will be first. The radical nature of the kingdom where those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Throughout Luke's gospel, we see this transformation of the norms to actually empower those who need it most. And throughout the birth narratives, Luke scatters references about the impact of this most astonishing news upon Mary. Let's uh, think about that visit of the shepherds. <laughs> but Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. There's an encouragement to us all to ponder, to reflect this Christmas. How can we be good news to the poor? Just as Jesus was good news to the shepherds at the very beginning. Then in Luke 2, verse 34 and following, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul 
too. Here's a reminder to us that the Christian way of life isn't easy. And if we're actually living according to the values of the gospel, there will be hardship, persecution, and even grief. And yet our souls somehow, even in those places, may be enabled to sing because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if we are allowing our souls to sing by putting ourselves in the risky places. If we're walking the way of obedience and dependence on the Lord, it will take us alongside others who are finding life tough. And perhaps we can connect with them, just like Mary and Elizabeth, and find in that fellowship, in that community, a soul can sing. The truth is, the grace of God is sufficient for you and me, despite our weaknesses and vulnerabilities. If we seek to serve this topsy-turvy kingdom rather than our own agendas, we will be good news in this troubled world. If the manifesto of our lives mirrors that of our Messiah, his power may be made perfect even in our weaknesses. And it will take us to those who need us most. Amen.